Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, Cape Cod. It's high noon on Wednesday. Time for another episode of Life with Gwen. Now, today's episode may surprise you because, you know, I have to be honest, doctor, none of us really like going to the dentist. And and uh, I actually in, willingly invited Dr. William Shire because he has some really interesting information and uh, an area of expertise that um, I haven't heard much about. And that is the use of dental uh, devices, appliances to uh, correct sleep apnea um, and we're going to talk for the next half hour because sleep apnea can be very dangerous can be hard on your heart and he'll tell you all the doctor things but uh, we are here today with as I said Dr. William Shire and he is um, he's the only dentist on the Cape uh, basically from Provincetown to Plymouth to have this certification which is specifically for um, working with uh, dental appliances and, and sleep apnea is that right? That's correct. Um, and I just wanted to say thanks again for the opportunity to spread the word and to create awareness about this because it's very um, common. As a matter of fact, 20 million or more people, according to the CDC, are um, undiagnosed in the country. That's one in four males. With sleep apnea. With sleep apnea. One in six females that are undiagnosed and untreated. So. This is more than just one guy taking care of it on Cape Cod. There, right. there, there needs to be the onus placed upon um, healthcare professionals in general to diagnose this. So, about to help treat the diagnose and help treat this, physicians, for instance, uh, in the in in the country, we have a severe shortage of. PCPs, upwards of 50 to 100,000 short in in the country. So other healthcare professionals need to take this responsibility to weed out these, screen out and weed out these patients so that they can get treatment. Okay. Maybe I could stop you just because I'm familiar with the term, but if you could just talk to us, sort of give us a basic explanation of what sleep apnea is and what its uh, inherent dangers and, and inconveniences are. We could talk for a long time about that. <laughs> we have a half so, hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're talking about two things. We're talking about sleep and we're talking about breathing. And I think we both agree that sleep and breathing are both very important. want to keep doing both. So we want to keep doing both. So the category of illness that this falls under is called sleep disordered breathing. And that includes snoring, sleep apnea, which is the cessation of, of breathing. So let me go a step back. So when you snore, the airway is constricted somewhat and the fluttering of the snoring inflames the airway and thereby closing the airway more because of the inflamed tissue. And this is down here, it's right? in your throat and your, mm-hmm. your lower pharynx uh, and oral pharynx, which is closer to the mouth. So those areas can sometimes close as we sleep and the 
tissues relax. So the snoring is the partial closure of the airway. Apnea is the complete closure of the airway. And people literally stop breathing, right? People can stop breathing up to 100 times an hour. And to be recorded as an apnea or an event, the patient has to stop breathing for 10 seconds or more. And their blood oxygen level has to drop to an unhealthy level. I see. Taxing their cardiovascular system, taxing cellular growth and rejuvenation uh, during sleep, um, hormonal release, uh, you know, de resulting in a carryover to the next day with sleepiness and fatigue in general, um, just loss of memory, all, all sorts of signs, headaches, etc., that mm -hmm. result in a lot of other comorbidities such as high blood pressure that's untreatable, even stroke, um, type 2 diabetes, um, again, excessive daytime sleepiness. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I read when I was uh, looking at your website, mm -hmm. um, I, I read about uh, um, some link to uh, making it hard to diet, you know, weight gain, and also you mentioned uh, impotence even. That's right. There are a plethora of diseases that result and are comorbid with sleep apnea. So it really affects your life across the board if you're not getting good sleep and and, and even um, I read of, uh, not read of, but heard of a case recently where someone had been using a machine to breathe a CPAP. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't take it on vacation and they actually did die. So it can be dangerous if you leave it, it, it untreated. Can, it can be, and we found we have found when we treat people, and they we have them feeling better because of the treatment. And they don't want they wouldn't let anyone take this away from them once they get for, to it. Once yeah. they get to the point where they realize what it's doing for them. Okay, and, so you don't diagnose. You're not the primary diagnoser for CPAP for um, sleep apnea, right? They have to go to a sleep lab. Correct. We are, we are, we have a, a dental solution to a medical problem. The medical problem is diagnosed by a sleep physician via a sleep test. Okay. Either one in a sleep laboratory mm -hmm. where you we go and camp out overnight and have the wires and et cetera attached to you and, or at, an at-home test, a home sleep test where there are many number of companies and we can facilitate that through the patient's physician at our office to get one of these sent to the to the people at home. It's like home monitoring. A home monitoring mm -hmm. device. And then it's read by a board certified sleep physician. Then the diagnosis is, give, is given to me mm -hmm. as well as the primary care physician for the patient. And the primary care physician and I have a discussion as to what's the best treatment for the patient. Okay. And of course, um, the dental solution that I'm speaking of is the devices that we make. We which, just uh, which, got a call which, on that, and we'll get to this. Yeah, you can show show okay. me now, but okay. I want to get into that in depth. I just okay. wanted to make sure um, everyone understood what the um, uh, what sleep apnea is, and and what it's uh, um, and how you find out if you have it. So that's, that's we're the at first that thing point we have now. To do is and then the you, people. Now we've diagnosed the people. Now okay. we can get on to proper treatment. So, um, and the the uh, the dental is is a newer treatment, right? Because here in front of you, I see you have a um, a CPAP machine, mm -hmm. and I should look this up so I could figure. Do you know what that stands for? 
uh, continuous, continuous positive air pressure. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I learned so much because I guess they also have the BiPAP. And if any of you have the BiPAP, it's one of the cycles. The breathing out cycle is a little bit uh, less pressure, so you don't have to fight the machine so much. Mm -hmm. But this has been the traditional uh, treatment for a long time. And uh, I don't know if you want to hold it up there, but sure. it involves the little thing sits on your, your night side table and so it involves. This, this uh, is the. Yep. So device that's placed over the nose. Now they have different cannulas. Some yeah. just go to the nose. Some mm -hmm. we can actually can make a custom made mask. But you can imagine with facial hair and different facial uh, features that one size doesn't fit all. Right. And some people and, find it very claustrophobic, uh, you know. And in addition, when this is the size of one. So if you're traveling, you, you probably have to take something like this along with you. Uh -huh. So our our device, which is a, so let me go back to the CPAP for a minute. So the CPAP literally forces air through the obstructed airway. So I told you the airway closes. The pressure keeps right? it open. And the pressure of the air, positive air pressure, is really blowing air at about 20 miles an hour down, down your throat. Wow. And it, it's been known to be effective. Okay. And uh, probably 95% of the time. And, but it is, but it's the least tolerable. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, the toleration level is probably under 50%. And if you're traveling, that's also and certainly traveling, an issue. the convenience of so it. So I, uh, tell, I want you to, I want to tell uh, viewers, if you'd like to write in questions, we'll get to them. And um, now um, Dr. Shire is going to tell us about an alternative, which you can use all the time if it works for you or for travel. That's exactly um, right. Yeah. So, so the device that we have, which actually has been used for almost as long as CPAP. Oh, interesting. It, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, back then there are, and we had been using them as quote snore, snore guards. From I've been making those for 20 years. I bet um, there are a lot of spouses that are very happy with your work. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we feel a lot of times we're treating two people as, and, and we do get thank yous from uh, bed partners. Definitely. So, the the device that we make, what what it does is allows natural breathing as opposed to forced breathing. Okay. So what it what they did what the devices do is to bring the jaw slightly forward and slightly open with a device that fits on both the upper and lower teeth. And there are any number of them, probably over a hundred different styles, depending on uh, which the patient's anatomy, the teeth, uh, what the patients want, what their concerns are. But this one in particular um, has basically two devices that go into the mouth, you close into it, and it has a, a device that keeps your jaw, again, slightly forward and slightly open to dilate the airway or open the airway enough so that you can breathe naturally. And we've had several patients who use both CPAP and these. Mm -hmm tell us that I, it feels so much more natural because I can breathe on my own. And this must be wonderful if, you know, having just come off the red eye where a lot of people didn't have these, mm -hmm. um, it, uh, it must be a wonderful light and convenient way to, to travel as well as, as uh, solving the problem. What, could I ask you to hold that up a little bit towards the camera so people can mm -hmm. get an idea? Now, do you use um, 
Um, many of us have had uh, dental work done where you've had to form like a cap or something. Do you use that uh, rubbery foam to create the impressions? Is that how this we is do, done? We do take um, impressions. We are trending as everything else in the world toward digital impressions. We do um, have a digital impression um, camera that we use for, for our regular general dentistry for single crowns, etc. But we are now... Um, considering, you know, uh, two or three different full arch impression type material thing. So the answer, the short answer is yes, we, we do. So it's just getting easier. Do, yes, it's getting mm -hmm. easier and so, more and more accurate and quicker because we can digitally send that file. And that was my next question is about how long might it take to, to you know, once you know a patient needs intervention, um, how long it might take to get them into um, this device. Does it have a specific name? The uh, the uh, dental appliance mandibular advancement device would be the general term for it. Okay. Um, and so the answer to that question of, of with regard to the timing, so certainly first we have to get a diagnosis. We have to get a doctor's order, if you will, for the record, because then we can take all that information with the sleep study and send it to the patient's medical insurance. Again, this is a dental solution, but it's a medical. Uh, condition. You may have seen that someone just wrote in to ask us, you know, how much this costs and, and whether or not insurance covers it. Mm -hmm. So the answer again to that is after we get the diagnosis and the information to send to the insurance company, we do a verification of benefits so we can tell and a, a, the, the patient, each individual patient, what the, what the out-of-pocket cost is or isn't. <laughs> in some cases we get full coverage, in some cases we get 80%, in some cases we get no coverage. It depends on the insurance, and so sometimes we have to fight with them. It goes to your medical insurance, not your dental? It's a, it goes on the patient's medical insurance, that's mm -hmm. correct. So we have a wonderful gal at my office who concentrates on um, evaluating the levels of insurance each patient has, and we begin the process by, you know, verifying that, that and then taking taking it forward from, from there. If it were totally out of pocket, it would be in the $2,000 range, but very seldom, and that's for an entire year of treatment, by mm -hmm. the way, we very seldom get no coverage. Um, but it's, it's just, I've, I've had very few cases where patients, we couldn't work something out so the patient mm -hmm. could get treatment because it's something, it's a medical condition and it's, it, the unfortunate thing is it's, it's insidious. It's, it's something that you don't realize that the symptoms are there. Once you realize, once the symptoms are there, it's it's sometimes too late. It's a continuum that starts with snoring and can end with death, death by asphyxiation, which is what happened to the you know the gentleman I heard about. Yeah, right. So it's we need to catch them early early in that continuum to to stop the process because it's it's not curable. It's just treatable. Mm -hmm. Now, if you start treating it after you've, you know, had a, a bad case uh, um, of sleep apnea, if you start treating it, you you do eliminate the, you know, that day's problem and everything coming forward, right? It's just if there had so, is there damage that can occur if you. So let me think. Let me make sure I understand the question. Um, when we do treat the patient, we see. The first thing we see are what are called subjective symptom 
relief, meaning they stop snoring, they feel more energy, they sleep deeper, they don't wake up 10 times a night, they maybe only wake up once or twice a night. Mm -hmm. Their snoring has gone from a level 10 to a level two. Mm -hmm. um, and so once we get those identified, um, and we have success, and I would say that's probably better than 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. If not, we, we then have, these are fully custom made and adjustable. So we adjust them depending on what feedback the patient gives us. But at any rate, when we do get the relief that we're looking for, we run another sleep test with the device in place as a comparison. Oh, interesting. So you can literally see if, you know, those here, numbers there, changing. There, there, mm -hmm. there. Yes, correct. Because the sleep test is, uh, we hadn't mentioned it, but I believe it's also judging the severity of your condition. Like some people are waking up, you know, are, are stopping their breathing um, a couple of times an hour and others are, are doing it, you know, I'm not sure what you said. Uh, they yeah. can be up to 50 times an up hour. Up to 50 yeah. times yeah. an hour. So mm -hmm. mild, is, mild is considered, um, you know, just a few times an hour. We, we, can get, we don't need to get into the exact numbers, but mild is, you know, a few times an hour moderate is more than just a few to up to 20 and then more than that is is severe now do you recommend treating uh, mild cases too yes uh, snoring is, is primary snoring is also something not just because it's a social nuisance but because it borders on apnea and you know it can get into apnea if, if left untreated so the mild to moderate cases uh, in terms of what the American Academy of Sleep Medicine recommends, mild to moderate cases should be, the physicians should consider oral appliance therapy mm -hmm. versus CPAP. Yeah. Okay. Because of the compliance rate with this is astronomically higher than the compliance rate with this. This does a great job, right. but if it's sitting in your closet, it's not doing anything. I've actually heard that um, Insurance will check your hours on the CPAP before they decide if they're going to continue to pay for it because many right. people don't use it. Correct. Another negative side of that coin is now the insurance companies are catching up with things. And if, if for instance, Medicare, and we probably don't need to get into a deep discussion about insurances, but if you've tried CPAP and you decide you don't like it, in especially in mild to moderate cases, the insurance companies, starting first with Medicare, as far as I know, will not pay for the oral appliance because oh, it's, a, it's a because they call it a same or similar mm -hmm. treatment. So you have to wait so, until it's your. Re so you either have to wait time, and yeah. you have to go back to the physician to see you know get a physician's uh, you know note whatever that but in, in still in cases. You have to prove to them that you've returned the CPAP. Right. You have to prove to them that you're not accepting parts, these these things, right. the cleanser, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. all an insurance game that's nobody wants to play, but we all But have your to. office helps, and the, I know a lot of um, other you know doctors will, will have an insurance person in their office. Exactly. So you know those are things that are, are surmountable usually. Correct. Um, I did want to ask you, we got a question in while we were um, – Mm -hmm. while we were talking, um, and it's related to weight loss. So if people stop snoring after weight loss, does that mean they don't have apnea? Well, it would be a good sign that they are, but again, the only way to know if they don't have sleep apnea after they stop snoring 
after weight loss um, would be to have a sleep test. The, the only true way to diagnose is, is to, to do that, but it, it would make sense that if you're not snoring and you don't have people witnessing that you're stop mm -hmm. breathing, because not all people who have apnea will snore before that. Uh -huh. and people who have apnea or stop breathing can just stop breathing without the snoring, without ha having snoring. But loud snoring all the time is a is an indicator that there's a possibility for mm -hmm. it. So, and then the answer is yes. That you know, if you if you stop if you stop snoring with weight loss, it's likely that you don't have apnea, but it's not certain. Because uh, I had heard early on when I learned about apnea that that uh, especially people shaped apple shaped people, you know, with a lot of weight in the front, mm -hmm. uh, if they sleep on their back, that you know would tend to to sort of aggravate the situation. Sure, there's but, a lot of there are a lot of our patients have positional apnea, which is obstructive apnea or closure of the airway because they lie on their back and it's just gravity the the tissue falls back. So we encourage side sleeping. There are actually devices where you can put a a hump on your back and make you sleep sideways. We have nighttime <laughs> is getting really had, complicated. We have wives sew in tennis balls in the back of their husband's t-shirt so that they don't snore snore on their yep. on their back. So yeah, there might maybe there should be something in the uh, wedding vows about <laughs> love until uh, until you can't take the snoring anymore. <laughs> So loud snoring to us part, but right, exactly. So um, now the um, with the oral device in place, mm -hmm. can you sleep on your back? I'm just curious. For this is a question for all those back sleepers out there. Yes, you can. You, uh, the device again brings the tissue forward to open the airway, so it allows that. We always encourage people if they have that, and you can in the sleep study we can get. If there, if there is a positional component, i.e., do they snore worse or they, is their apnea worse on their back? Mm -hmm. Well, we always tell them it's worse on their back. Let's try get you on the side, side, on the side yep. and but use the device and try to sleep on your side as as much as possible. So, you know, um, it uh, tell me a little bit about travel. You know, I mean, obviously, we can see from that bag. To this, to this yeah. is a little, uh, case, a little case. It's a whole lot yeah. easier. But um, if you're, a lot of people like to sleep on the plane. Um, mm -hmm. If you're sleeping in that sort of sitting up position and uh, your head's rolling around, mm -hmm. um, can you use the uh, the dental yes. device? It's probably more effective sit, uh, sitting up, as a matter of fact, because you don't have that that um, gravity effect of being lying on your back and being that far back to have the tissue close the airway. It's all about mm -hmm. the pressure that the tissue puts on your airway, a significant amount enough to close the airway. Mm -hmm. So as you're seated up, your airway is going to likely be much more open, even at you know when you're when you're when you're sleeping, when all the muscles are relaxed. It's just just from a, an anatomical gravity standpoint that it would mm -hmm. be more open. And then, of course, this is only for when you're uh, planning to sleep. I mean, you don't wear this during the day, this correct. device. It's only one, yeah, it's, it's only not like correct. a teeth straightener or anything. Correct. It's just to right. um, to keep yourself. It's amazing to me that it it feels like it's a small device mm -hmm. for the amount of pressure, you know, to position the the jaw the way you want it. Mm -hmm. Just it just takes a minor amount, as you might know in dentistry, a millimeter is a mile. And, I did not know that. Well, I mean, if you've had a grain of sand in a in a 
in a muscle shell, in a muscle or in a in a clam that you know it's like a boulder out. So a, a small amount is is huge. So it really doesn't take much if we measure their protrusion or how much they can uh, jut their jaw forward. Mm -hmm. And we generally start about thirty to forty percent of that, and it's usually effective. It's the beauty, so beauty of it is, is, that that we that I've seen is for and me is the simplicity of it. Okay, if the mouth is slightly open, you know, mm -hmm. um, I have seen people actually, and I'm not recommending this, but actually tie their mouth shut, like with a, a headband or something, the, if they're yeah. trying to well, to the avoid CPAP, the snoring. The CPAP has, has the people you see CPAP have them. They have um, the headbands with chin strap type thing to keep their mouth closed. These devices, as well as CPAP, work much better when people have nasal the ability to breathe through their nose. Oh, so if so you have a cold do, or something? Yeah, oh, well, you know, you sleep much worse when you have cold. Yep. I mean, you know, you, you, we all know that, know that. But my, uh, the point was that the, the nose, nasal breathing filters the air, it warms the air, and it actually, in the nasal sinuses, when you breathe through your nose, releases minor amounts of nitric a uh, oxide so that it allows you to sleep Oh, that's so deeper. interesting. I didn't it, realize It's very that. interesting. So and even if you don't have apnea, so to get in the habit of breathing through your nose. We definitely promote nasal breathing at night. Um, for There are ways, although we have devices that are two pieces, uh, we um, add elastics to them to keep help promote nasal breathing. Mm -hmm. Often when we, when we do our exam and we see... Um, nasal obstruction. We refer to an ENT. Um, we can get, we can get, you teach yourself to nasal breathe? Can you just make it a habit? It's probably muscle memory. Mm -hmm. we, we've, in, we've gone so far as to encourage the people to use medical tape to tape their lips together hmm. as to get that muscle memory ready to, to, to do that, you know, committed to yep. do that for themselves. So generally, um, if someone is a mouth breather, these will still be as effective, but they won't be as effective. I until see. Until we can train them to, to breathe through the keep nose. their we, mouth shut. We <laughs> give them over-the-counter Flonase. We have nasal expanders. You've seen the athletes wear oh, yeah. them. And then we have nose, nares cones, where they actually put a cone in, in their nose to help dilate. So it's just to encourage the so if you've had several broken noses in your life, this might be a little more complicated. Or yeah, or if you have a polyps or you know deviated septum. Mm -hmm. I want to um, at our five minute mark here. I want to reintroduce our guests because I know some of you join us and then leave to go, you know, make lunch or whatever you do. I don't know what you're doing, <laughs> um, and uh, come back. Um, this is also a show that's available every week on podcast by going to. CapeCodTimes.com slash Life with Gwen. That's a G-W-E-N-N -N podcast. And if you sign up there, you'll get each week's episode so you can listen to it when you're driving around and that kind of thing. And there's a lot of information here. We are with Dr. William Shire from Advanced Family Dentistry of Cape Cod. And uh, we wanted to give you an easy way to find him in his office because you're uh, your website's a bit of a, a mouthful. So how should people find you in, well, I guess in the, Orleans? I guess the easiest way would be to Google Sleep Dentist uh, Orleans or Sleep Apnea Dentist Cape Cod. Um, 
but advanced family dentistry, if if that's Googled in, that'll bring you right to our, we'll be top of the list. Great, and and I can see that uh, maybe uh, um, sleep apnea would be a good term to to Google if you as were well. looking, because um, otherwise you might find dentists who are are you know using sleep. Uh, um, I think the word for that sedation. You know. Thank you. Yeah, sedation. <laughs> but, so no, that, that yes, that's correct. So if you just said sleep dentist, it would probably give you you know, a dentist who puts people to sleep to do to do the work. Well, the only reason them. you got to stay, I appreciate your coming, but I did make sure you don't have any Novocaine needles with you because I, uh, you know, it takes a long time to realize the dentist is your friend. We, <laughs> uh, we often say that people aren't themselves when they come to see us, and we, we try to establish good relationships with them and, and, and really listen to their individual needs and con thoughts and concerns and and. and try to, uh, you know, model the treatment toward what they want, not what we think they need. Mm -hmm. I, I bet a lot of people um, like the doctor, you know, put the dentist off until something is so broken that it hurts. It's and true. Uh, this is something that might not hurt you until it's really hurt you, sleep apnea. So you need to be thinking about it, and probably your partner is thinking about it, thinking, oh, my God, please, let's get this, uh, let's see what we can do. I noticed that we haven't uh, discussed the model that you brought there. Did oh, you sure. want to show that to us in our yeah. last few minutes here? So, yeah, quickly, what happens in, in snoring, and a lot of times, even with CPAP, is when the air is blown through, um, it inflames the tissue on, in the throat. And it closes the airway more. So, and the jaw, when the jaw has fallen back at rest, this airway is much more closed. Mm -hmm. So, what happens when when we put the oral device in? Again, it brings your jaw slightly forward and slightly open. It opens that airway, and it allows this tissue to normalize back because you're not snoring anymore, so that the airways. Significantly more open. The inflammation reduces yeah, because of with every breath. It's not correct. You know, that's that's you, so. with lack of snoring, and it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's certainly something that doesn't happen overnight. It's not a magic wand, but it's something that we. Mm -hmm. we have I've, I've heard people um, complain about not only carrying the CPAP or BiPAP machine with them, but also um, with the cleaning requirements. Mm -hmm. So could you tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, I know that you need to clean your tubing and your mask, and, and uh, um, can you tell me a little bit about the oral device? How, how do you clean that? It's very simple. It's just we use um, hydrogen peroxide and water twice a month. Just soak it You can brush it with your mm -hmm. toothbrush. You can, you know, use mild soap and water. Um, depending on how, when the patient presents the next time, we look at the, the second, you know, after using it for a while, if it looks like there's a problem with that, we, we tell them we have several different methods to clean it, but all of which are much simpler and less, much less likely to carry bacteria than two feet of hose and water and... Which, and you told me that sometimes people use both, you know, they That's might right. use their their uh, uh, pressure machine at home mm -hmm. and use the um, the dental appliance for traveling, mm -hmm. uh, whatever works for them. The the goal is to simply get the patient so that they're not stopping breathing in the middle of the night. And, um, you know, and then, of course, the benefit of, of the reduced snoring, um, better, better sleep. Mm -hmm. 
better sleep etiquette, everybody. You can, uh, your partner will be not driven to sleep with the dog anymore out on the couch. So I really appreciate your coming. It's been fascinating to hear about this, to learn about this. And uh, congratulations. I think it's been a while. But congratulations on your um, earning the uh, uh, recognition. Status, yeah. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been so, a long, long road. But I, and I also appreciate you for a uh, helping us uh, spread the word and and to create more awareness because it is a uh, it's a huge problem in our country and um, it millions and or billions of dollars spent um, in healthcare that can you know that tax that that whole system so that we can if we can treat a portion of it at least here on Cape Cod we, we feel like we've done something so Get your apnea diagnosed and, and, and fixed, mm -hmm. and you'll feel better overall. And uh, these guys do do regular dentistry, some, some pretty special stuff. Uh, if you go in and there's needles and stuff, that's you're on your own. The sleep apnea does not require any needles, right? It's not. That's correct. Okay. That's correct. <laughs> thank you so much, doctor. Thanks and thank you guys for joining us and um, learning. We learn something new. Get to talk to the neighbors. Thanks for joining us here on Life with Gwen. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.